from AI and deep learning to cybersecurity and IoT, keeping up with technology can be challenging. Our podcast is not just about helping you keep up. We're inviting you to the precipice of what we now know is possible. Join us as we interview industry luminaries and trailblazers to hear how they're leveraging technology, navigating the pitfalls, and predicting the future. Together, we'll explore today's most timely topics, combining human imagination and intelligent technologies to discover new solutions. I am happy to introduce my co-host, Mr. James Marcella, security expert and industry association leader. And it's a pleasure to introduce Scott Dunn, technology innovator and award-winning speaker. And this is Connect, a bi-monthly podcast from Axis Communications. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Marshall Freeman about the future of law enforcement and the role of emerging technology. Hey, Marshall, this is James Marcella. Welcome to Connect. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Hey, James. Well, thank you again for having me. Uh, I am Marshall Freeman, and I serve as Chief Operating Officer at the Atlanta Police Foundation. Just a little bit about the Atlanta Police Foundation. It is a uh, nonprofit organization that uh, works hard to lead the strategy for public safety in the city of Atlanta in conjunction with the mayor and the chief of police. Uh, It sounds great. Uh, You know, we're going to spend... The majority of our time today, I bet, uh, focused on technology. I went on your website and saw that you have programs, uh, you know, at Promise, Crime Stoppers, Secure Neighborhoods. Tell us a little bit about that before we dive down into technology. Sure. So the organization has about 36 different programs. uh, And again, those sort of run the gamut. A couple of the marquee programs we have would be our Secure Neighborhoods program in which we build houses for police officers um, to encourage them to live in the neighborhoods in which they patrol. Um, We also utilize it as a a crime reduction initiative, obviously putting a police officer with a police car um, into a particular challenge neighborhood um, helps us to reduce crime. And so we have lots of officers that are living throughout the community um, in these single family homes. Another really cool thing we did earlier this year was open our first recruit apartment complex. So right on the west side of Atlanta, we have a 30-unit apartment complex uh, designed uh, for police recruits, uh, mostly uh, folks that are taking the job with APD um, from out of state. Atlanta is no different than any other major city throughout the country. Um, real estate is expensive. Um, rent, as we know it, is going up throughout the day. And so uh, these uh, recruits are able to live um, affordably while they are going through the academy. So we're really excited about that program. So getting involved with the community, engaging with the community uh, has been an important aspect of, of what the Atlanta Police Foundation is doing. 100%, James. In today's world, I think we all have to you know, continue to work to build those bridges with the community. I, I couldn't agree more. And it was a really neat initiative to see. And the idea of, of bringing law enforcement officers into the neighborhoods that they serve seems like such a great no-brainer idea, uh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So let, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the other programs that really engage technology. Uh, I think that uh, technology plays an important role in uh, law enforcement and policing. What are some of the ways that technology is used today by law enforcement to be more effective? 
So we really rely on technology a lot. Um, obviously, in today's world, I think most uh, police departments throughout the country are experiencing a significant shortage in staffing. And I think the way in which we're able to um, at least overcome a little bit of that is by utilizing technology. And so when we think about the use of technology, it's sort of our stopgap. It's the way in which we can sort of have some visibility, um, give some situational awareness to officers that might be responding to an incident, but also have some eyes and ears out there. Now, I think we are obviously challenged with, you know, once you utilize technology for maybe surveillance and you use technology for RMS or record management systems, body-worn cameras, and all these different things that a police department may experience in today's world. Now, how do you make all those things compatible and work together? That would be the area in which I think we are um, obviously challenged um, today as we talk about evolving technology in law enforcement. So, so the integration becomes one of the most important aspects. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Operation Shield and the origins of that program, uh, where it's at today and, and where you think the future of it's going. So Operation Shield actually started uh, here in Atlanta back in 2012, um, ju just with a few cameras that were uh, sort of put up. But the conversation began with the mayor. The mayor, frankly, said, you know, we can't afford to, you know, put up these what he called expensive cameras. The city's budget was obviously tapped. So they turned to the police foundation and said, hey, how can you guys help us um, to build a surveillance camera network here for the city of Atlanta? And so uh, we actually designed that program um, in conjunction with the mayor and residents and community members. Community members said, hey, we'd pay for them. We'd help to fund them. Why don't we you know, make some donations over to the police foundation to um, allow you guys this sort of capability and technology? And that's sort of how the program was essentially designed and created. And uh, it was every step of the way with community. And so that's why we always talk about community being such an important part of what we do. So, so you, this is a, a public-private partnership between the city of Atlanta, the police foundation, and then private entities who are, are helping fund infrastructure, uh, fund cameras to, to go into different neighborhoods. Yeah. So imagine we essentially took uh, the map of Atlanta, which is six different zones, and we work with APD and said, okay, in a perfect world, draw on this map where you would want a license plate reader or draw on this map where you would want a PTZ. They sort of did that sort of math and, and plotted it all on the map. Then our team went out and then started to work with the residents and, and HOA leaders and presidents of all of the, we have these things called NPUs, which are neighborhood planning units in Atlanta. We started working with the NPUs and we would go and say, hey, listen, APD really needs a camera or a license plate reader right outside of your neighborhood. Now, we're going to make that thing pretty uh, visible. We're going to put a sign on there that says Atlanta Police Department. We're going to put a gigantic blue light um, for you guys as well. And we'd like for you to pass the hat and make a donation to the police foundation. So they make these donations to the foundation that includes the cost of the device, the connectivity, the maintenance and care for that device. So that's essentially how we built that entire uh, system. And then uh, back um, a few years ago, um, once we realized that we had the capability of getting all of these devices up and rolling, one of the big things we need to do was obviously build a place where all these cameras would feed into. So the police foundation also spent $1 million to build the video integration center in which uh, APD utilizes as their central hub for camera connectivity. It's called short-term video yeah. integration system, the VIC. So, so tell us a little bit about that. What other type of technology are the operators in the VIC able to utilize to help police be more effective out there 
So we have centrally located the video integration center um, directly adjacent to the E911 center. We do have a system today where once the call for service is placed based on the address or the origin of that incident, then the four closest cameras are actually put up in that uh, camera feed for that VIC operator. So the VIC is trying to um, maybe troubleshoot that incident, um, understand in real time what may be happening and relay that information down to the responding officer uh, in real time. And then second to that, the VIC is used obviously for the investigative uh, portion of it. So uh, post-crime um, officers and investigators are able to also um, find the camera footage and sort of go through it all and and uh, and try to figure out, you know, what has happened and then um, continue to increase our solvability rate for crimes and incidents here in uh, in Atlanta. So one other thing I'd point out is that um, when we talk about the VIC, and James, I think this is a sort of a cool thing, at least for me. So we wrote out this thing called Connect Atlanta, um, utilizing the FUSIS platform. And so now every officer within the Atlanta Police Department has access to the entire camera network, whereas in the past, it was only the folks in the video integration center. So we're sort of moving to this concept of a uh, real-time camera network versus a real-time crime center, if you will. It definitely has changed operationally the way in which um, officers have interacted with the technology, which I think is pretty cool because you got so many new officers that are you know, coming on board and, you know, the new generation, I mean, you, you can hand them a cell phone or hand them a tool and they can totally figure it out without any guidance at all. How do you measure the effectiveness of the VIC and, and what type of impact has it had on the police officer's ability to do their job? So I definitely think the solvability rate um, is one thing that we definitely point to when we think about investigations. The city of Atlanta has a really high um, solvability rate for uh, crime here, utilizing our camera network. And then also we think about how do we try to displace crime or stop and prevent crimes from actually taking place in the beginning. And we do that by putting up those cameras, making them really visible, putting those blue lights on them and putting signage on there with the idea and hope that, again, criminals are going to just say, well, it's no sense of me breaking in to a home on this particular street or committing a crime on this particular street because I can clearly see up and down this block there are tons of blue lights. And so for us, it's been, again, a really cool tool that we've tried to use in every way we can to try to reduce crime here in Atlanta. We've established that there's that there's some deterrent involved with having these uh, highly visible cameras out there. And this is a community-oriented program. Uh, have you seen crime being displaced from one area to another because these these cameras are deployed in one particular area? And then do you use that as a way to get buy-in from other folks within the community? That studying uh, of the impact of the network is something that we do pretty frequently. And we do, again, message that right back to the community to, again, show how the camera network is working. And I think ultimately it goes into a bigger picture about uh, community satisfaction and resident satisfaction. When you think about their police department, when you think about the folks that are working every day to try to reduce crime in their neighborhoods, um, they want to understand the impact. And they do want to also know that the police department is doing everything they can. Now, will cameras ever reduce crime completely or eliminate crime completely? Absolutely not. I think we all know that. But I do think there is a, a, a satisfaction portion that goes along with this where residents do want to know, okay, you know what? The police chief and the mayor are doing every single thing they can to try to mitigate crime in my neighborhood. And I think that matters. I would certainly think so. I suspect that some of the programs that we discussed earlier, you know, the At Promise, uh, Crime Stoppers, Secure Neighborhoods, things like that, probably help develop a sense of trust 
with the community. You're not just rolling out technology, you're actually engaging the community. What are the ways the foundation initially used to introduce new technology in a way that was transparent and really maintain the trust with the community? I think it was totally James building the program with the community. So you flash back to that community meeting that I referenced, you know, with the mayor. Uh, right after that, it was a matter of thinking about, you know, these cameras and things that we were going to put up. We then wrote some SOPs or standard operating procedures that were then again sort of tossed around and bounced around with the community. You know, how do you guys feel about this operationally? I think involving them along the journey is definitely the thing that we have tried to do with every program in which we have had at the foundation. So Marshall, rolling out these different technologies, Operation Shield, for instance, and and everything that you're doing at the VIC, were there any unintended consequences, whether they be negative or positive with, with the deployment that you didn't, you didn't foresee. So I definitely think, um, when you talk about unintended consequences, I think one of the biggest issues we see with technology would be the fiscal part of it. It's the expense of it that I think still cities are so challenged. And how do you pay for this? Cause law enforcement technology is expensive. And I think it is why it's really important that we find solutions and, uh, have things in the city where all of these different technologies things can all play together because there's so many folks out there that sell technology that only want it to be restricted to their particular product and nobody wants to play in the sandbox together. So it's one of the things we think about as we're adopting new technology and bringing new things on about how can everybody work together? And if you're not willing to work with every other company that we already have that's in the technology ecosystem in Atlanta, then you know what? You just can't be here because it just won't work because it's unaffordable. Yeah, the, the cost of, of deploying these solutions uh, certainly can get uh, pretty high. You mentioned the public-private partnership earlier and, and where you had maybe even private citizens, but certainly companies and others within the community uh, donate money in order to bring this technology in. Any work with federal or state grants for for growing that system at all? Our funding completely comes from a really good group of folks. And when I say good group, I make it sound like it's two. It's not. It's tons of folks that support the work in which we do every day. Those are corporations, um, the corporate executives and the philanthropic uh, community here in Atlanta and that want to uh, support the work in which we do. So we've, again, got a great group of stakeholders that um, we can go to and say, hey, we'd like to acquire this particular new technology or we'd like to make this enhancement to um, the work in which the officers are doing every day. And every single time, our group of supporters continues to show up. Fantastic. So clearly, open standards and integration capabilities important to you. What are some of the other things you look for when you're when you're looking at technology and you want to prioritize different companies to work with? I think it's also the talent of the company, right? Because, again, as I referenced earlier on the law enforcement side, by no means am I a, a, a tech expert in this. But I would definitely say what we rely on is the talent and the skills of those particular companies. I can go take an idea and say, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know what I'm thinking. Help me flush this out. Am I looking at this the right way or am I looking at this the wrong way? And I think it's important that a company says, you know what, we'll help you build that out. And yes, maybe in the end we get to a conclusion or a decision that says, yep, the right product for you is our product or maybe it's not. And I think that's equally as important where you can actually have people that you rely on to have that level of expertise and to help guide you. That is precisely the type of relationship that we look for in the folks that that we want to work with. And and frankly, that the ability to build trust between 
our organizations and, and really work together to solve problems. At the end of the day, uh, that's very uh, rewarding, just as rewarding for us as it is for you, being the practitioner and being the one that actually has people out on the out on the street leveraging this technology. Is there is there a process by which you look at and evaluate new technology? There is. We try to do our evaluation um, sort of in three year periods, frankly. So every three years we sit down and at the police foundation, we build what we call our strategic plan. And it takes us through this three year time frame. So we have a, on the front end, whole lot of conversation with the mayor, with the police chief and the executive command staff. And at that time, we sort of establish what our priorities will be for the next three years. And most of the time, we find ourselves being pretty consistent with that. But then every now and then, some technology or some uh, issue arises that we need to sort of address. One of the things that I created a couple of years ago that helps us to do that is this cool thing that I call Discovery Day. And so every quarter, um, I bring in an entire room, uh, the command staff from the police department, along with the police foundation staff. And we will then say, okay, we've got three different technology or vendors or things that we'd like to sort of look at and discuss throughout this time. We go through this presentation of here's what the technology is. Here's what it does. What questions does the entire room have? Because I have found, James, that before this, I would drive myself crazy going to the chief saying, what do you think about this? Deputy chief, what do you think about this? The major. Now I've become a lot smarter by saying, let me get everybody in the same room and then yeah. have the conversation yeah. one time. And out of that room, we've decided to, you know, either pilot the technology or not. So it's really been a really cool process to help us to really bring some things to market a whole lot faster because we've got fiscal sitting there. We've got the attorney sitting there and can get the consensus at one time. You mentioned uh, pilot. Clearly, you pilot these technologies before you roll them out. What's that typical process look like? How long does that take from ideation to actually rolling something out that's used by law enforcement? One of the benefits when we think about pilots is the uh, police foundation. We have an entire uh team here that works on technology. We have the benefit of having a group of civilians over here who this is all they do each and every day. So once we establish that we're going forward with something, man, we're moving at a thousand miles an hour to try to get that thing up and rolling as fast as we possibly can. I was at the, the National Real-Time Crime Center Association. We, one of the things that they talked about there was interagency operational communication. And the idea that uh, they could share information between the real-time crime center, or in this case, your VIC, with other agencies, whether those be federal or, or state and local. Have you found uh, that that's the, the, the case? If, if, is that something that uh, the city of Atlanta is doing on, on certain, certain issues? Yes. And prioritizing that for us is critical. So Atlanta, if you guys know anything about Atlanta, it is totally segmented into um, counties. So there's Fulton County, there's Cobb County, there's Gwinnett County, there's all these different areas around here. And nobody talks together or works together until you get to like a specific task force. Well, there's a whole lot of information that we have, a whole lot of information that each of these other counties have. So that was one of the things that also pushed us over to Fuses because we saw the region also shifting um, there. And it was a really cool way for us to all integrate and all work together. It's VMS agnostic. So it really helps to make the seamless integration so that everybody can all play nice together. Again, a criminal has no concept or idea or care about a county line or a city line. Yeah, no, I mean, right. they're going to commit yeah. crime, you know, wherever it happens. So I think that if we can all work together and share the same information, I think we'd see um, regionally us just be a whole lot more stronger and healthier together. Is there anything that we didn't cover that 
you would like to bring up and make sure it gets covered? I definitely think that we will see technology continue to shift to fill the stopgap for for staffing issues as we think about law enforcement. I do think we're going to start to see some AI stuff that's going to hopefully come on board to help us in the area of retention, which is one of the things I'm really probably most excited and passionate about. We see officers um, continuing to leave the profession um, because there is sort of a lack of job satisfaction. I think when you think about the diversity of roles, it's one of the things that I've been uh, most passionate about and trying to find a solution for. Law enforcement, it's sort of a command and control organization, obviously, but it's putting a butt in a seat. And so I think you find some folks that are, you know, showing up to work every day and maybe they have a degree in HR and they'd love to be in background and recruiting, but they're working in the zone, you know, on the beat. And so I think if we can start to use AI, use technology to start to understand behaviors, work patterns, things about officers, job satisfaction, I think we will start to align the department in a much better way by utilizing these things that could help us, these tools and things that would help us when you think about retaining officers and creating that sort of satisfaction. And then the last thing I'd say to that would be, obviously, facial recognition is a whole another thing that I do think we will probably at some point see this country sort of shift in a manner in which facial recognition becomes a little bit more acceptable, especially considering, I mean, you know, people are using iPhones for recognizing your face. You, if you go to the airport, I can almost promise you that facial recognition is somewhere in there anyway. And so I think it will probably move to a place in which it becomes a little bit more of an acceptable term. And so that's just my thoughts about where I think we're going. I agree with your take on, on facial recognition. And I think that the U.S. has seen a number of Communities, municipalities roll out facial recognition bans or consider them. But then most recently over the last year, a lot of those have been pulled back and we're starting to see more and more use of facial recognition out there. What do you think are the specific challenges? Uh, is it, is it just bad public perception? Um, what are, what are the challenges that are holding back facial recognition as you'd like to see it used in law enforcement? So what I would say um, on the AI part of it, again, I think it's it, it's a bad, you know, PR, uh, you know, issue at this point, because I think if people understood how powerful it could be to actually um, help and aid in a lot of different situations, then I think people wouldn't be so scared of it. Um, I think people would automatically assume that, you know, this is going to be used to spy on me. This is going to be used to, you know, tell people what I don't want them to know. But when you really think about it, the upside to it is that, the opportunity is there to actually help us in, in a lot of different incidents. I think back through a uh, time in which earlier this year we had a dementia patient um, who had wandered off from home, who her daughter, you know, called the PD and said, hey, you know, my mom is missing. And uh, she provided a photo of that mother. Well, thankfully, we do have some AI capability, not facial recognition, but we have some AI capability within our network um, of cameras that's able to identify clothing or, you know, uh, objects. And so we were able to finally find this mom across town um, who had wandered onto a bus. So I just think, again, people have this negative perception for what it could be used for. But I think there's a greater story to tell about how it could really help us and in aiding incidents and things like that. Those are incredible uh, stories about how technology, you know, can be used to, to really improve outcomes. With regards to any AI or facial recognition tool that, that 
helps law enforcement be more effective. It's just a tool, right? There's still process procedure that has to be followed. And uh, oftentimes, it's that part that I don't think the public gets to see. And how transparent is that, do you feel, with the Atlanta Police Department as far as this is just a tool? What do I do with that? We try to be as transparent as we possibly can. Some of the other cool things that we have done with the network in which the enhancement we made um, earlier this year is that it gives us an auditing trail. We can understand any officer that has watched um, any video, downloaded any video um, at any time. So we did do yeah. some really cool things and put as many protections as we can in place that obviously um, continues to make sure that we uphold this standard for how the technology is used. Marshall, thank you for taking the time. This has been a great conversation and look forward to talking to you again sometime in the future. Thank you so much, James. This has been absolutely a pleasure, man. I'm honored to uh, have participated. So thank you guys for having me. Thank you for joining us as we explored some of the ways technology is being used in Atlanta to build community buy-in and increase public safety. I'm James Marcella, and this is Connect, a podcast from Access Communications. Thanks for listening to The Connect Podcast. The Connect Podcast is produced in collaboration with Gusto, a matter company. Music.